As I stated in um, one of the prayers this morning, today's message is out of the Sermon on the Mount. It is, I believe, Jesus' second hardest command for you or for me to obey. The second hardest command, some of the hardest teachings that Jesus ever spoke, ever taught, come out of the Sermon on the Mount, and maybe on the surface you may not think that this is as hard as the last two weeks. Two weeks ago, we looked at adultery, we looked at lust, last week we looked at divorce, today we will look at retaliation and loving your Enemies. If you have a copy of God's Word, turn to Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 38 down through the end of the chapter, or verse 48, 38 to 48. In the world that you and I live in, that is inundated with 140 character rants, or now it is 280 character rants. Different manifestos that come out each and every day where the right is red-faced and right of right. And where the left is left of left and death to anything else. In a world where individual rights, individual rights are trumped only by those who are more marginalized than you and their individual rights. A world that is all about itself, whether that self stands and proclaims to make America great again, or that world stands and proclaims Brexit, which is Britain's exit of the EU for their own exaltation, or North Korea's taunting of nuclear weapons, Iran's desperate desire to elevate itself on the international playing field, ISIS's scare tactics, or whoever else is going to take the forefront for their 15 seconds of fame. We find ourselves in a world that's all about us. And Jesus, some 2,000 years ago, spoke directly to that world. For that world, 2,000 years ago, in itself was all about self. And now, some 2,000 years later, we too find ourselves there. Listen and follow along on the screen or in your copy of God's Word as I read Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 down through verse 48. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. 
If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who begs from you. Do not refuse. The one who would borrow from you. Excuse me. Do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard that it is said, verse 43, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For He makes His Son, S-U-N, He makes His Son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Does not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore command, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Father, this is a a hard saying. These words that you spoke are hard words. Not to understand, but to apply, to live out, to to step into and act on. These are hard words. Father, would you speak and would you draw us close to you this morning as we engage your word, as we engage you, would you speak in these few moments? I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Two points this morning about loving the unlovable or loving your enemies. The first is this. I, I just want to define the term so you and I understand what we are talking about. I'm communicating to you. I'm stating here is what this word is saying. And as best that I can, you understand what is being spoken. So I want to define the terms. There are four or five terms that I believe are important from this passage that you and I need to understand if I am going to communicate a second point to you that I hope to do. So as I define the terms, the first term there is love. I don't know what you think about when I say those four letters together, L-O-V-E, or love, but here is what the word means that is written in Matthew chapter 5. The word love means an action. It is an action first. Feeling, emotion, second. This word is lived out. The term means a total sacrificial, selfless action by or for the betterment of the person you are acting toward. This love is done towards someone And it is given as a command here, not a suggestion. If you, sir, or you, ma'am, are a son or a daughter of the king, you are commanded. You are commanded to love your enemies. 
you and I are commanded to take action, to move in a sacrificial, selfless way for the betterment of that person, i.e. your enemy. Well, Brian, I don't want to. We'll get there in a second. Second term. Not only do we see that of love, but we see the term enemy. Think about somebody right now. I know you are. Think about somebody right now. You're probably thinking about the preacher. But your your enemy, your enemy is this. This is how it's defined. People who have done you wrong, people who have shot you down, people who have stuck a knife in your back and twisted it, people who who you looked up to or who you loved and who have blown it. Enemies are those who are going against you with all that they have. Enemies are those who disagree politically from you. They disagree positionally from you. Enemies are people who live far into the way that you live. They are oppressors. They are tyrants. They are the ones who slap your cheeks, who make you walk a mile in that term. I'm not going to define that term in these four or five, but I'll just add it here. It was, it was commonplace for a Roman soldier to be carrying something for his commander and find anybody on the street and say, hey, you lawfully have to carry this a mile. I don't care if it's going to break you back. I don't care if you're doing something important. I don't don't care if there's an emergency going the other direction. You have to do this. An enemy is one who sues you for your coat. They don't have any right to sue you over, but they sue you anyway. An enemy are those who malign, those who slander, those who stop, wreak havoc on everything that you are about or everything that you seek to do. Love your enemies. Third term, pray. Pray. To speak to the Father on an individual's behalf is what is being asked right here. Next week, we are going to spend some time in Matthew chapter 6, and we are going to be talking about the Lord's Prayer, or what is known as the Lord's Prayer. And we will spend a number of moments walking through what prayer is, but you need to understand the definition of this word this morning, that you or I We are to speak to the Father on the individual's behalf. Let me just state one more thing about it. Speak well to the Father on their behalf. We'll get there in a second. Fourth term, sons. It's a part of the family. They're they're a member of the family, otherwise known as, as an heir to the Father. This is the family term that has this person in, quote, end quote, the family. They're a part of the team. It is an intimate and close relationship term that is described here in this passage. And if you are going to be a son or you are going to be a daughter of God, then you are to love your enemies. And the last one that we will look at is the 
word perfect. In those last verses in Matthew chapter 5, he says you are to be perfect. Just like your father is perfect. The word means complete. It it means mature. Let me give you an example. It happened this week. Uh, I have two tomato plants, and I know they're tomato plants because when I bought them six or seven weeks ago at Walmart, they said tomato plants. And so I know they are tomato plants. They were about this high when I bought them. Now they are about this high. They're green, and, um, and they're tomato plants, even though I have not seen one tomato grow on those plants. So therefore, I had to go to the uh, tomato stand and buy some tomatoes because I thoroughly enjoy tomato sandwiches. And I wanted ripe tomatoes so that I could have lunch Monday. And when I got to the tomato stand, there were some halfway red tomatoes and then there were some green tomatoes. Perfect, mature, complete. I did not buy green tomatoes. Even though I love fried green tomatoes, I did not want a green tomato sandwich. It'd be a little crunchy. It's not ready. It's not mature. It's not complete. I wanted a ripe, perfect, mature, complete tomato so that I could put it between two pieces of bread, some mayo, salt, and pepper, and enjoy Perfect, mature, complete. That is the statement. You and I are to be complete. We are to be mature, just like our Father. So we see the terms defined. Love, enemies, prey, sons, and perfect. So let's camp out in this passage with our second point. And here's the point. Living out this command. What command? The command to love your enemies. Living out this command demands a change of heart in our lives. You and I can say that verse. We can say those words. Jesus commands us to love our enemies. We we can say it and we can understand it. It is in between the left ear and the right ear, and we get what he's saying. But to actually obey it, to do it, is extremely hard. As I stated in the introduction, I believe this is not just a hard statement, I believe it is the hard, the second hardest statement that Jesus commands any of us to do. I believe the first or the hardest is the greatest commandment, to love God with everything that you and I have. If we are to love God with everything that we have, I believe that is the hardest command to obey. But this one, if we truly understand it, I believe, is the second. This horde that is there, the, the crowd that is gathered on this hillside in Galilee, overlooking the Sea of Galilee, 
as they are listening to this sermon that Jesus is preaching, they hated Rome. They hated Rome. Roman soldiers walked the streets. Roman soldiers beat their brothers and sisters. Rome tortured and killed these people every single day. They hated Rome. Rome was their enemy. Yet Jesus looks at them and He says, Sir, ma'am, you've got to love Rome. Jesus, you don't know what they did to my brother. You don't know what they did to me last week. You've got to love Rome. Jesus states that knowing what Rome is going to do to him. Rome is going to nail him to a cross. Rome is going to beat him almost dead with a, a leather belt called the cat of nine tails. Rome is going to destroy his body. Yet Jesus says, you and I must love our neighbors. Excuse me, our enemies. And living this out, living this command out demands a change. Jesus understood that. And as he is speaking, he is looking intently into each and every one of their eyes to make sure that they're with him to say, do you understand what I'm saying? I'm saying love your enemy. Not just a, a term, Rome. No, we got to get a little more personal. We have to get a little more individualistic at this moment to say, you have an enemy. You have an enemy. Love them. In the midst of all of this, Jesus says to love. Remember what love is? It's an action verb. It's not stay inside the comforts of your safe abode with doing, moving, caring for the needs, acting on one's behalf, even when they are against you, word. You and I are to love them no matter their response. You are to love them as they are sticking the knife in your back, as they are wreaking havoc on your job. You are to love them. I saw the other day a trailer for a new movie about this man. It tells the second half of the unbroken story. Louis Zamperini was a World War II POW. He was an Olympic star. He was the spokesman for the armed services after the war, during the time that he was held captive, they found out that he was already a star and they, the Japanese who were over him, made his life a living hell, tried to break him every single day. After he was freed at the end of the war, alcohol almost killed him. But he found himself, because of his wife, he found himself inside the tent of a Billy Graham crusade. And Jesus saved him. And decades after he was tortured, he made it back to Japan. Stood in front of all of the guards. All of the guards. And said, I forgive you. 
His enemy. His enemy. One by one, these men came in front of him. One by one, he stated those words, I forgive you. One by one, they came in front of him. One by one, he says, I love you. The one that was directly over him would not speak to him, would not accept those words. Yet he gave it. Have you ever loved somebody that was against you? If we're going to do that, and that's the command, that's the command. If we're going to do that, I believe there's three or four things that you and I must continuously be reminded of as we are doing it over and over and over again. Number one, you and I must know that this command, love your neighbors, is an active command. Meaning it's not one Thursday afternoon at 2 o'clock, you stand in front of them and say, hey, I love you. Hey, I forgive you. And then you're okay for the rest of your life. That is not the word. That is not love. It is ongoing. It is an ongoing action that you and I must move toward. How do you do it? Second, I believe that you and I first, in this action that we're doing, we must die to self. Jesus stated this a few chapters later in Matthew's gospel. Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 down through verse 28 states, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly, I say to you, there are some coming in his glory, meaning that Christ was going to die. But if you and I are going to love our enemies, Jesus states here that we've got to die to self. For us to love those who hate us, we must die. We desire to love ourselves. That was where you should have said amen because you and I love ourselves. I understand you don't want to say that. But if we love ourselves, we must die to self to get past that in such a way that we can love someone trying to hurt us. Second, not only to die to self, but you and I must stay the course. Many times we start right in this but we see them out of place. We're supposed to see them at the job site, but for whatever reason, they're in our neighborhood. We're supposed to see them in this setting, but they're in line behind us at Walmart. And it just, whoa, it scares us, it takes us aback, and we react because they are not in the place where we are supposed to be seeing them. Stay the course. Third, probably one of the hardest things is you and I must remember that Jesus loves you and that he paid more for you than what he's asking you to do for them. Your state and my state 
of need and love directed toward us is was and is in a much worse state than what he is asking you and or me to do toward others. Love your enemies. Those who have sought to bring you down. I'll give you a quick story and I'll bring this to a close. I know a man who, uh, who shared with me an episode in his life. And that episode in his life went something like this. I was in upper management in this corporation and I was doing my job. I, I was doing everything that I was asked Two from those above me, and I was doing that for a, a few years. I was in this position. And there was somebody under me who did not like me, who did not think that I needed to be above him. And this person went over me and told those above me that I did something wrong. He accused me of that. I did not do it. A year and a half later, they found out that I did not do it. But for a year and a half, they demoted this man under the one who made a false accusation. They cut his pay by 60%. year and a half, cut his pay by 60%. All of his friends were telling him, quit, go find another job. You don't need to go through this. But this man stated, nope, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to do the job to the best of my ability. I'm going to do what I know God wants me to do. And for 18 months, every single day, this man had to put up with the one who was now over him, who hated him, the one who put all kinds of stress and junk laid it on top of him for 60% less pay. What would you have done? At the end of 18 months, it was found out that the man who had been demoted was right. At the end of 18 months, the one who was over him came to know Jesus because of the actions of 18 months. 18 months. You and I are commanded by God to love our enemies. You and I, if we read the last couple of verses of this chapter, you and I are commanded by God to be perfect, to be mature in the situation, in the workplace, at the house. We are to be the mature, complete one because we are the son or daughter of the king. So let me ask you a couple of questions. Are you growing spiritually? In spiritual matters of life, are, are you growing? I've asked this question a number of different ways, a number of times from this stage and, and also one-on-one, -on -one, but, but the question remains, are we growing spiritually? Are you growing spiritually? Or are you just sitting on the raft and drifting down the stream called life? Students, 
hate to bring this up. Not really. You're about to go back into a war zone in about a week and a half. You're about to go into a war zone. I don't know if you've ever thought of school as a war zone, but you are about to go back into a war zone. Are you preparing for battle? The battle's coming. Are you preparing for battle? Or are you just coasting through the end of your summer break? Are you putting bullets in your gun? Are you putting verses into memory for the war? Because the war is coming. I turn my attention to you adults. Maybe the kids have a week to get ready for battle. You and I are going to the job site tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. Are you ready for battle? Are you? Are are you putting bullets in the gun? Because you know he's coming up. You know she's going to confront you. You know this is about to happen. Are you preparing yourself for the battle? The battle is coming. You and I are commanded to love your enemy. Just a reminder to each and every one of us here today that as a child of God, as one who has bowed the knee and confessed with his or her mouth that Jesus is Lord, you have no rights. You don't have a right, sir. Ma'am, you don't have a right. You don't have a right to have an attitude toward anybody at your workplace. You don't have a right to sit down and put on your Facebook page, on your Twitter feed, on your Snap, Insta, whatever. You and I don't have a right. For you and I are not our own any longer. He bought you and bought me with His blood. Therefore, everything that you and I say and do, everything that we put out with our names on it is His. So when you walk into that workplace tomorrow at the water cooler and everybody is saying whatever they always say, you have no right to not stand up for Him. You have no right, I have no right to stand in line and allow whatever the conversation is that is in my earshot or in your earshot that is demeaning whoever or whatever or him to not say anything because he is our king. You have no right to stay silent. You have no right to not love for you have been loved. So greatly. So your Monday should change, sir. My Monday should change. Our weeks are to change because of what and whose we are. Joshua put it this way. You see it on the screen in Joshua chapter 24. As he was about to die, 
Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him sincere, with sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods of your fathers that they serve beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day. Sir, choose this day. Ma'am, choose this day. Students, choose this day. Whom you will serve. Whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Ammonites in whose land you are dwelling, But as for me and my house, we will serve. If you're His, if you're His, River Bend, if you're His, may that be your choice that you and I will serve the Lord. So if we're His today, then you and I must follow His commands. He has stated two commands in this passage that you and I are to love our enemies and you and I are to be perfect as our Father is perfect. And if you're going to follow His commands, then you must love, you must choose to act, you must move, you must do these things toward your enemies. Well, I don't know if I can. Talk with Him about them. Talk with him about them in a positive way. Not kill them before I get to work in the morning. Talk with them in a positive way. Remember the attitudes, the be attitudes. The attitudes that are to be those of a kingdom-minded citizen that he gave in chapter 5, verses 2 through 10. One of those attitudes that are supposed to be in us is that of a peacemaker. Move in your mind to bring peace to that relationship, even though they hurt you, even though that hurt went deep. Forgive them. Seek their good. Love them today. And love Him today. Heavenly Father, I know that thoughts are flowing and some of those thoughts, Lord, are are hard. Father, it is hard to love someone who has hurt me. God, I, I, I remember how much I have hurt you that I know about. And there are, there are so many more things that I have hurt you in so many more ways that, that I don't even know about at this moment. Yet, You love me. You forgave me. Father, it's a a hard command to obey, but you are a great and awesome, loving Father who walks with us, who holds us in His hand, who loves us who works in us just as much as you are working in those that we call enemies. God, would you you change hearts? Those in this room right now who, who have bowed up against their enemies, ultimately who have bowed up against you and will have not obeyed this command. God, would you change our hearts? And God, as we 
go into that setting with the enemy that is going to be confronted, God, would you work in their hearts to bring peace to a relationship? Father, there are doors that only you can open or doors that only you can close. Would you do that for all of us? May we see you at work. Father, as we respond, Lord, as we respond in these moments of of thought about these enemies, as we respond to you, possibly of family members that are going up against us. Folks who just live different than us. Different morals than we have. God, would you you use us to show you to them? Because that's why you have us here. That's why we have these jobs. That's why we have the homes where you have us. That is why you have us here. So that we might be used by you. God, as our students go into classrooms in the coming weeks, God, I pray for them. God, I pray that you would use them in 14-year-olds and in 32-year-olds and all those in between in teachers' lives and in students' lives. God, may they be preparing even now for battle. May we be preparing to love our enemies and to mature in the faith. We're going to stand and we're going to sing. It's a time of response for you right where you are to spend some time with the Father as we sing. And for you to obey whatever He's calling for you to do, you act and obey as we stand and as we sing.